To be honest, sometimes I'm scared that I change myself so much to the point where I'm no longer true to myself. Damn. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of To Be Honest. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm Grace. And to elaborate <laughs> on that wonderful To Be Honest for a bit. Please do. Today, okay, today when I called Amy, I was like, I had this random thought the other day, and you know how society is always like, especially right now, society is always like, be true to yourself, like, don't care what other people think, just you do you, honey. You do you, honey. You do you, honey. (laughs) And, like, that made me think. I went through a phase, especially in middle school, where I was very, very much in my Enneagram type 9, and by that I mean, I felt very disconnected from myself, and I felt like I was seeing situations almost from like an out-of-body third-person kind of experience Mm -hmm. where I was seeing things very objectively and I didn't really feel like I had a lot of strong emotions at the time and I almost described it as like the robot grace phase Mm. and during that time um I feel like I changed myself a lot and I feel like it was unnaturally easy to do so like Mm. that's (laughs) a bit of a paradox unnaturally easy Yeah, unnaturally easy. It's so weird because I feel like I change myself to like become more empathetic, become more considerate, become more outgoing. Um, I was like adopting new habits with like health and exercise and all this stuff. And it all just came like so easy to me. When I was describing it to Amy, Mm -hmm. I was like, it's almost like Ariana Grande's Seven Rings song, (laughs) except it's like, I see it. I want it. (laughs) I like it. I got it. Like, I see this new trait and I want to adopt it. So I just like do it. And it was really strange. And like now that I'm less in that phase, now that I feel more grounded and more connected with who I am, now that I'm feeling my emotions a little bit more strongly, I feel like it's more difficult to like make new goals and stick to them or like to change parts of myself. And the question that I had was, Like, does this mean that I'm not true to myself because I changed myself intentionally so much? Because Amy was talking about how sometimes people go through situations like life experiences, Mm -hmm. and as a result, they kind of organically change and grow from them. Mm -hmm. But I felt like in my instance, it was me pinpointing all the things that I didn't really like about myself and like molding them to become what I perceived as the perfect person or the person that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And then the part that confused me a little bit is that like in self-help culture, apparently, like uh, our, yeah. our whole podcast is about like self-development kind of things anyways. Yeah. And then all the time you see people like picking up new habits, being the new best self, like 2023, mm-hmm. this is going to be the new version of myself. So how is mm-hmm. this different than the idea you're talking about, about feeling like inauthentic? Yeah, I always feel like people kind of struggle to, like, adopt this new part of their personality, mm-hmm. and that's what, like, that struggle in adopting it and their them, like, slowly growing into this new part of themselves is what makes it less inauthentic, if that makes sense. Like, for me, it felt like, I almost described it once as, like, I felt like I was genetically modifying myself to become my version of the perfect person, and I thought that it just, like, it felt very inorganic and very, like, unnaturally easy. It felt like I didn't earn it, and it, it felt just like I was absorbing traits that I liked and not truly being myself anymore, and that kind of led me to the question of, what does being true to yourself really mean? 
And my first thought was like, well, maybe it's the person who you are naturally, like without even trying. You know how sometimes when you're around really close family or friends, you just naturally adopt this persona and you're not even trying, you're not even thinking about it, but Mm -hmm. you just like act naturally. Like, is that the true you? Is that the pure you? It's almost like um, child blissfulness where you're not overthinking. You're not thinking about what other people might be thinking. You're not thinking about being the best version of yourself. You're just, like, unashamedly yourself. Yeah. And honestly, like, the concept of being true to yourself is was kind of confusing to me. Like, my first instinct was to kind of view it, like, biologically, like, the way you genetically are. I also remember... There is a psychologist who was explaining pure personality once, and then she said, like, oh, the personality you have as a child, that is your pure personality, your pure genetic personality or something. Mm -hmm. And also, like, there's the whole conversation about, like, learning in psychology, like, learned behaviors. When something has been enforced or something has been punished, then you've learned to behave in certain ways. But... Um, taking it into a more general context, I searched up, like, what does it mean to be true to yourself? (laughs) I trust you, Google. Yeah, trust in Google. The main point I got that helped me understand was being true to yourself is mainly just not changing yourself depending on, like, the environment you're around or, like, not changing yourself for other people. So in my life, an example would be becoming a party person at Western because Um, yeah, we've been over this before, basically, but I'm not, like, a super rager party person, but then being a party person is kind of, like, the identity of a lot of Western students, so Mm -hmm. if I formed myself into the party person, then I would be not being true to myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my other thought about being true to yourself is following your morals and your values and who you want to be, so in this scenario, like, me kind of changing myself during that time is being true to myself because it's being true to who I want to be and it's true to like my morals or my values Mm -hmm. and as a result um then it means that even if we are intentionally changing ourselves that doesn't mean that that's not true to ourself because that still falls in line with our key values and um the person who we want to be so in that case you're not making up that persona for some someone else Mm. it's your values it's who you want to be can you go more into detail in the experience you're talking about from childhood about changing yourself yeah totally okay because like I think as a child I had a very strong personality I had a lot of confidence um little Grace was a vibe she was a menace to sum <laughs> it up Amy can attest yeah <laughs> yeah and so as a result it wasn't like I was necessarily a blank slate in the beginning or not necessarily like I didn't really have a personality in the beginning and then I manufactured one mm-hmm. um it was more like I had a very strong personality, and then I, like, changed it according to how I thought would be better. Like, I changed it according to what I thought the perfect Mm -hmm. person would, like, the traits that a perfect person would, like, demonstrate or would have. And you feel like that's inauthentic because it's like you kind of changed your character, right? Yeah, I feel like I didn't necessarily, well, I did kind of grow into who I am today, but in a way, like, I directed it and I changed it from who I was initially. So, like, the question that I kind of had floating in my head was, like, am I being true to myself? And 
after all this time, I think that I've kind of grown into my personality as Mm -hmm. it is today. And it like kind of, it's still the point where it comes naturally now. And it's kind of the thought where, you know, that philosophical idea about the boat. Okay. So a part of the boat breaks and you replace it with something else. You repair it, you replace it. And then another part of the boat breaks and you replace it again. And like, at what point is that boat no longer the original boat? To me, these thoughts are, like, adjacently linked, where it's the same with me and being true to myself. Like, at what point did my being true to myself become what it is, like, being true to who I am today as opposed to being true to who I was before? Like, at what point did me acting the way I am become Mm. being true to myself now? Because, Mm. like, as my personality shifted to who it is now, like, at what point was I being true to this personality and um, at what point was I not being true to myself because I was actively trying to change it from maybe what I was like before. Yeah. Well, I do think the conversation about like being true to yourself is a little different when we're talking about childhood grace because mm-hmm. like we, we talked about like having a pure personality as a child and mm-hmm. grace kind of not being a blank slate as a child she was like a very boisterous a little stubborn and like pretty confident (laughs) and outspoken as a child and she has definitely changed since then but also I do think it's different because as you were saying like as a child you don't really have any morals or values or anything like that and somewhere along the way like I know you said that you didn't feel like you had a super inciting incident but there was probably a couple instances in your life where you thought like huh maybe I should become more of a this person like maybe you started admiring someone who had these like quote-unquote perfect person traits so then you slowly Mm -hmm. started to change yourself into that type of person yeah totally yeah and the the part where you kind of it felt like you kind of suddenly chose like this new identity and then started to conform to it that kind of reminded me of this completely different concept that I saw Mm -hmm. I think on a TEDx video somewhere but Mm -hmm. basically it was a conversation about why humans are so unproductive and why like robots are more productive than humans and the main idea was just that humans spend way too much time like planning what they're gonna do instead of actually taking action and doing it and that's made me think on a couple of occasions like that idea has come up and I've been I've thought like huh maybe I would have been a lot more Uh, successful in this endeavor if I had just like chosen something and gone along with it because like Grace Uh, and I we both struggle with indecisiveness I can say like an English Mm -hmm. essay for example like I am pretty notorious for like not being able to make any decisions like I would flip-flop between topics and like keep on changing everything until the very last minute and (laughs) a lot of the times like the topic doesn't even matter that much like 90% of your um essay and the point of the essay is just knowing how to write it making a strong argument and stuff like that like the topic doesn't actually matter that much so I would just be Mm -hmm. focusing on something completely irrelevant anyways bringing this back (laughs) to the changing yourself conversation I think yeah so you know what that reminds me of yeah what choosing a font in elementary school Oh, like, gosh. it doesn't matter what font you Not choose. Not even elementary school. But it was school. such a big deal. Like, even <laughs> yeah. middle school. Like, it was such a big deal. And you, like, mm-hmm. I know I would be so indecisive with choosing mm-hmm. my fonts for a long time. Especially yeah. in elementary school for me. Yeah. So just like... And it doesn't matter at the end yeah. of the day. <laughs> it's like a lot of situations we would have done better and benefited if we, had we just gone with, if had we just like randomly spun a dice, chose one topic and totally. gone along with it. Yeah, so yeah, totally. I was thinking in terms of like personality. So like I, mm-hmm. we have had our fair share of identity crises and I feel like at yes. the end of the day, 
it doesn't really matter that much like you could just I could just like choose a random identity based off of Pinterest go along with it and then feel confident in it after a while um Mm -hmm. and then we could call that not being true to yourself but then also I think especially as someone who was kind of more of a blank slate and for like children looking for an identity I don't like see that much of an issue with it I think it's more just like you wanting to have a personality sometimes um Mm -hmm. yeah and then I had this other thought where I feel like maybe after that preliminary random identity choosing you go through Mm -hmm. I feel like throughout your life when you're changing you know how on personality tests you rank things from like less strongly to most strongly I feel like throughout your life as you make changes to your identity and the way you think it's kind of like you're slowly shifting these gears around. This comes from a completely different <laughs> idea again. But I remember in like psychology, there we were exploring like theories around um, language acquisition. And then one of the theories was that like humans are biologically primed to understand language and learn language. And the way we do so is that we have like kind of like a circuitry in our brains with like on and off switches. And it um, in that like circuitry, there's like groups of like certain ways um, some language some languages function. So basically, okay, I'm going too much into depth into it here, but basically all languages have like certain elements that are similar. So like adjectives, nouns, like syntax, stuff like that. But then each of them have like slight differences um, between each other. And then the way yeah. that our brain learns that is sometimes we turn like an on and off switch between. Um, like one language and another language and as you learn the language that circuitry is um, defined and then you start becoming more eloquent in that language so that kind of reminded me of this idea as well where maybe like throughout your life you start gaining this like list of like qualities and morals or values or whatever stuff like that personality traits and then as you go through life you kind of have a slider and you like adjust it as you go through and experience new things yeah, yeah. That's actually a really interesting way of putting it. It's a really like abstract idea, but it's just like an interesting way of organizing this thought. Yes, it yeah. reminds me of how in the past, I believe you mentioned having different personality traits as, like, kind mm-hmm. of like sliders, but as bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you adjust. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting how that idea like is consistent with this one and how it's evolved and adapted as we've grown. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So, yeah, (laughs) basically, uh, I don't really think that you were, like, being not true to yourself. I think you were probably just inspired by something as a child and decided to go along with it because you were inspired (laughs) by it. Um, But I think the idea of being true to yourself is more important in adulthood and when you find yourself in situations where the people around you might not be as like-minded bringing this back to our like a gifted program episode last week but if you're in an environment where you feel like you need to change just having the confidence in yourself and your identity and not changing mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely I agree with that mm-hmm. um and this is kind of a different topic as well but lately I feel like I've kind of had to justify like my moral choices and like my values from time to time and it kind of makes me question like whether I'm a good person or not because quite honestly like I have morals and I have values for instance like I'm pretty uh passionate about like Mm -hmm. the environment and then I try Mm -hmm. to lower my carbon footprint and everything like that and I try like to recycle and things like this but also I feel like 
if I really wanted to, I could drop that habit immediately. Like, I wouldn't have to be, like, there's nothing, like, morally obligating me to be like this, you know? And then I've had, like, some people ask, like, oh, why do you take this type of stuff so seriously? And then sometimes I, like, don't really know what to say, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and then I think this would be an interesting conversation around you especially because you're a super morally righteous person and you tend to do, like, what you believe in. And a lot of people look up to you because of that. So what do you think? Oh my gosh. Wow. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I think that a lot of it, okay, I don't, I'm always hesitant to talk about religion because like, no, but I think people, this is definitely a situation where you can bring religion in because I think it has pretty deep ties to it. Yeah. But I think (laughs) a part of it is um, religion because I think one of the things that religion gives you is it gives you like a foundation to build your life on and like, Okay, my dad always describes this as, like, a stick, kind of like a stick that goes straight up, you know? And imagine us as, like, a tree or a plant growing, and sometimes um, things in our life happen, and we're kind of, like, led astray, and, like, then we kind of lose sight of what our morals should be, mm-hmm. or what we want our morals to be. Yeah. And I think, like, for me personally, religion is, like, that um, baseline, like that straight piece, like that straight stick that comes out of the soil and it tells you which direction is north or like which way is up. It's like, it's like a compass kind of like when you kind of get lost and you lose your way, like it's there to point you to what should be morally right to Mm -hmm, you. mm -hmm. And I think one of the arguments for like believing in a religion is morals, like to develop your own morals, if that makes sense, or like Mm -hmm. to have a baseline to fall back to mm-hmm. and a foundation to build your morals on and I think that's where a lot of it stems from um yeah I think yeah. that might actually be one of the main things in my life that and also just like my parents beliefs as well which also kind of intertwine with religion mm-hmm. but I think that's like the main thing that religion brings for me like a, fo- a firm foundation and like like, the inspiration to love everyone, like, to spread love in the world and hopefully be some kind of, like, a light to the world and yeah. hopefully just, like, to put your best foot forward, be your best self kind of vibe. Like, a lot of that is inspired by my personal beliefs. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then that reminds me of something I used to say as well in the past where I yeah. thought that one of the big benefits, I'm not religious, but one of the big benefits from religion comes from that like moral compass that you're talking about because mm-hmm. I remember in the past and even now like I used to wonder like why are people so philosophical like why do we have to put in yeah. that <laughs> thought to develop a sense of identity and develop a sense of meaning in this world and like why is everyone nihilistic and I think that's <laughs> one of the main benefits of religion it just answers those questions for you it kind of like provides you with uh, a recipe of like what is good and like what you should do with your life already and it is mm-hmm. it's a pretty decent recipe you know <laughs> like a lot of people come to similar um similar conclusions at the end of their like existential journey yeah <laughs> you know and I love having the podcast to talk about these type of things too because like I like like when people are confident but also like I like just being able to have an op- open conversation about things and like be okay with things being uncertain like I think that's one of my biggest and like most distinct traits maybe is like I like being really open with people and I really like just like putting my thoughts out there and um this isn't always the case but I want to be 
a type of like person or a type of speaker who isn't scared of like being judged and it doesn't always feel like I need to hide my thoughts in case like one I'm scared of like one person having more advanced thoughts than me um Mm -hmm. bringing this into like more realistic examples it's like an English class a lot of the time like a lot of kids are scared to speak because they don't know if their idea is considered like advanced or not. And then this was a case for me too, like where I would have an idea, but I would be hesitant to share it because in the back of my mind, I'd just be thinking, oh, but this is kind of obvious. Everyone probably thinks this as well. But I think that really holds people yeah, back totally. from learning. Yeah. And on top of that, like I was at a STEAM conference a couple of months ago and there were high school students there, but there were also middle school students there. And there were like a couple of lectures and they asked some questions, the presenters, they asked some questions, and it was always the middle school students who raised their hands. Mm. And, like, I was talking to my teacher about it, and she was saying, like, it's really nice that the middle school students are at an age where they're not afraid to be wrong, and they're not afraid to, like, share their ideas. Because, like, I know this is true for me, and I think this is also true for a lot of the other high school students around me, but, like, I was scared to be wrong about something because a lot of this stuff is stuff that we haven't covered in school, you know, Mm -hmm. or like it's been quite a while since we've talked about it. So I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm right about this. Like I'm scared to try or to guess, you know, Yeah. or like to share my thoughts for the fear that I'll be wrong. And what if other people think I'm dumb? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That makes me so sad. Like when I think about it too, like in middle school, I Mm -hmm. don't remember like people speaking up being an issue, but like, I feel like at the yeah. moment we reached high school and we started, like, having English classes where discussions became a big thing, like, everyone was scared to share their thoughts. And I was just like, hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. I wish, like, schools would put less emphasis on, like, being right or wrong, like you were yes. saying. Because I feel like people only truly learn well and then they, like, go through the critical thinking stages by themselves once they are able to express their thoughts and reach that end goal. Like, um, it makes me think, like, for English or for, like, a lot of other things in life, too, sometimes, this is kind of an abstract idea, but, like, sometimes I'll have an idea about something and I'll start, like, thinking about it in my spare time, and then I'll realize that, like, this idea is already a concept, like, it's already been discovered by the world, like, it's, like, there's some type of philosophical name for it already, and then that just makes me think, damn, like, I came to that conclusion by myself, like, how cool am I? Yeah, and I think that's a big part of, like, English class and, like, learning in general, just encouraging students to come to conclusions themselves through their own critical thinking and I think that like fear of judgment is something that really inhibits that process yes I went on a pretty long rant with Amy (laughs) earlier on this topic but last year in my um pre-calc 12 class we so most of the time like the teacher would randomly call on students and it gave me like a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. because she would like randomly call on you you know and you're like oh no what if like you have to constantly be prepared and stuff but it was actually really really helpful for our learning I think because like people okay so something happens she calls on someone someone gets it wrong and she calls on someone else and they might get it wrong too but like learning this way a lot of us had similar thought processes um to the people who got it wrong and so not only did we learn how to do the math correctly but we also explored all of the area around it all of the like all of the ways that you could do it quote unquote Mm -hmm. wrong and Mm -hmm. understood why it was wrong Mm -hmm. because we made that mistake and like what amy was saying when i brought this up 
um, when one person has a thought process that's quote-unquote wrong, it's really likely that other people have similar thought processes. Yeah. And, like, by doing this, by one person stepping out of their comfort, comfort zone and being okay with making a mistake, it helps everyone learn. And it also helps that person learn because it really resonates with you so much deeper when you make the mistake on your own. Yeah. And you know, this whole conversation reminds me of this like random business video I watched this one time on YouTube, I think. Mm-hmm. But basically this one guy, he was just like, I'm so cool and so good at business because I'm not scared to ask questions. Like the example yeah. he gave was he was in some conference with some experts explaining some things and all the time, everyone in the conference was just like nodding their heads going like, mm, makes so much sense. Yes. And he was just there thinking like, none of this makes any effing sense. I have no idea what's going on. And he expressed that. And then he told them, I don't know what's happening. And he asked questions. And it turned out that no one there really knew what was going on either. And I think that, especially as we grow up, this is a case that happens a lot of the times. And then that's also why like asking questions in class or asking questions at the end of an interview are so highly regarded because it really shows that you're not scared of asking questions and you really genuinely want to learn whatever material that this person is teaching and understand it. Totally, yeah. And I think that the school system can adopt this too because I remember, same pre-calc 12 class Mm -hmm. um, last year, I remember there was this one time where there was kind of like a trickier question and a couple people had gotten it wrong and the teacher was like, oh, I don't expect you to get this right. Like, just share any thought processes or any ideas that you might have on how you might solve this. And, like, she really made the situation seem like you're not dumb if you get it wrong. You're actually, like, brave for expressing mm-hmm. your thoughts on how to do this. Like, I don't expect you to have the answer. And, okay, <laughs> something that I was that I've talked about before is, like, in the future, I'd love to work with kids or I'd love to um, be a teacher someday or something like that. And I was like, if I were a teacher, I would want to stress that. I would want to be like, okay, students are here to learn. Like, that's their job. Their job is to learn. And as humans, like, there's no way that you hear one thing once and you fully understand it or you fully remember it. Like, we're going to need a couple of reminders before something really sinks in, and we're going to need to really explore an idea before we fully understand it. And, like, that's the student's job. The student's job is to learn and to make mistakes. Like, as a teacher, you can't expect them to get things right, because then what are they here for? Like, the teacher's literally there to teach the students, and the students are there to learn, to make mistakes, to grow. Yeah. And that's how, like, that's how it should be. You shouldn't have a pre- Um, conceived notion of who's smart and who's not based on how much they know prior to entering that class because Mm -hmm. everyone's had different life experiences and you can't expect like what's the point of the teacher being there to teach if the student already knows it all if the Mm -hmm. students are already perfect so true like it they should be here to learn and it should be a total like stress-free um judgment-free zone where it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to ask questions like this shows initiative, this shows autonomy, this shows that they actually care about what they're learning. And that's amazing. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that that issue really illustrates some of the problems that came about because of like the grading system and the emphasis that society places on grades these days Mm -hmm. because I think one of the big reasons like the kids don't speak up is one they're scared of like seeming stupid in front of their peers but also like Mm -hmm. I think a big part of it as well is they want their teachers to think that they're smart because Mm -hmm. I know not all teachers are like this but I can think of some situations where teachers 
definitely have kind of like a bias of how intelligent a student is and they might subtly change the mark in some ways so in some cases like they might mark essays or like tests a bit more harshly for students that they think are not intelligent and um if teachers like round and bump up grades or in like the ib system we had like a less uh i guess like set way of setting grades like it wasn't purely based on your assessments but it was also just based on where the teacher thought you were so it was a bit subjective in some sense so i can definitely understand how some students would hesitate in asking questions and truly developing that understanding in class because they don't want the teacher to think badly of them and they would rather just like try to learn it on their own time yeah totally yeah i completely agree yeah and then that's something definitely i relate to because i am a type three in enneagram which is achievement so uh, or someone who cares about achievement a lot so i want to do well and get good grades um and i get a lot of academic validation (laughs) and i think it's interesting because i try to paint myself as someone who doesn't really care about grades Mm -hmm. but like cares about school if that makes sense and like Mm -hmm. cares about learning and i think that honestly it's just like I care about grades, but it's just in a blanket of denial where I don't want to fully accept that I care about grades, to be honest. And also, I don't want to let myself care too much about grades because I know that I could become obsessive and it could consume my life and it could become um, like my entire self-worth. And oh my. <laughs> how I perceive of myself. So like, I intentionally try to ignore grades like I intentionally never calculated my grades so to this day I don't actually know how to properly do it so I can't do it so I don't do it okay. <laughs> um, a lot of the time I like don't really look at my report card or like I wait to look at my report card or like I just like refrain from talking about grades and like I remove myself from conversations about grades and I don't share my grades and a lot of it is just like a blanket of denial and all these steps that I go to like avoid grades shows how much deep down mm-hmm. I might actually kind of care about grades because mm. if I truly didn't care then I'd just be like oh I don't care but also I think it comes from a place of privilege because um to be honest grades do kind of matter like as much as it yeah as much as a lot of the time I say like grades don't matter they don't define your self-worth like your mental health always comes first to a certain extent, grades do kind of matter depending on where you want to go, what you want to do, and it comes from a certain level of privilege to be able to quote-unquote not really care about grades and just learn for the sake of learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole like grading system in school thing is like there's also we just talked about gifted programs last episode but even like the grading system as well there's so many pros and cons and it's such a difficult system to try to minimize the amount of damage you do because like on one hand I think we can all understand that like grades are important in like motivation and stuff like that honestly I I also agree that I don't think a lot of students will learn things and try hard on their own volition with the amount of um easier and more enjoyable things out there and especially like at a young age we don't really understand the concept of delayed gratification yet um but also on the other hand like the conversation around grades and like society's view on grades and how much grades matter to your future is also super inflated and it's gotten way out of hand as well totally yeah and what amy was talking about um about how grades can be a source of motivation senioritis just proves how (laughs) true that is truly yeah like when grades all of a sudden don't matter anymore 
I've heard a lot of stories about how people like just don't try at all yeah. in school anymore because yeah. they've already gotten accepted into the yeah. post-secondaries that they want to go to or they've already decided what they want to do with their life and like that was all grades was for them it was a way to get there mm-hmm. and they already did so like there's no point in grades anymore mm-hmm. and like that just makes me think I asked Amy this question earlier but like what do people who have grade validation, whose, like, entire self-worth comes from their grades and, like, academic validation, what do they do once they're out of school, once grades are no longer in the picture? Like, do they have a, mm. like, existential crisis about Probably. it? Do they feel like there's, like, an empty hole in themselves? Do they turn that onto something else and just start, like, hyper-focusing on work? Yeah, I can imagine, like, the academic validation part a lot of that is rooted in being better than others (laughs) because like you know that you're good by comparing your grades to other people and then you get validation from that because you think you are superior to them um so I do think that in well I do think like humans do place like a certain amount of weight on like comparing themselves to others no matter where you go um, but if they did drop, well, not drop out of school, if they graduated out of school as they surely would, <laughs> um, then I do think that their comparison thing and like validation thing would still come into play in other areas of life. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about like work or something like that, we're talking about awards or whatever, I think it's just like the mm-hmm. ambition would still be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But then also... On the other hand, like, maybe they would have an existential crisis because maybe (laughs) I can think of there are definitely some situations where some people might be more textbook smart and, like, might be better, might be better suited for schools and have skills that are good for school because there are also a lot of situations where people who aren't good at school find super crazy success after getting out of school with their own specific set of unique skills like Einstein. <laughs> yeah, Einstein or what's his name like Tesla I think or or Edison, one of them. One of one of the elect- electricity guys like electricity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember like he was a kinest okay, either one of them was like a kinesthetic learner I think, which is basically mm-hmm. they learn better from like doing and like touching things mm-hmm. with their hands and like doing the processes themselves rather than like learning about it from a textbook and look at him, he ended up becoming an inventor, but he was also failing in school. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that just, like, I'm so much of a visual learner, and I always say that, like, I do well in the school system because I do well in the system, (laughs) and, like, I don't know, a lot of the time I think I'm more book smart than street smart, but that's okay. (laughs) I mean, the more book smart than street smart thing is, like, a lot more common than you might think. Like, I can think of a lot of other people who are book smart but not necessarily street smart, but on the other hand, I think school does also provide the opportunity to succeed through areas that are not just like you're saying like being a good visual learner and stuff like that I think like there's Mm -hmm. things like dedication and things like um yeah totally the fear of like not asking questions or like judgment and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then um just like initiative working with others like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of other opportunities for kids to develop skills that are going to be useful to them in their future professional lives as well but yeah, I do think that there is a valid uh, conversation around grade validation and these type of people once yeah. they're out of school. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And like the part about comparison always really gets me because, okay, I feel like a lot of the time people know my grade to compare themselves to me, like if they do. And 
it's either like they put themselves down because they're at a lower percentage or they like hype themselves up and they like prove that they're I don't know like smart if like by being at a higher percentage they use you as like a baseline for smart (laughs) I don't even know like this is so uncomfortable anyway Yeah. yeah. yeah yeah I get that and, like, that that's one of the things about grades. Like, even if you say that you don't really care about it, it's always, well, okay, maybe this is just me and my type 3-ness, but if, in my case, like, I feel like a lot of the times it's always in the back of your mind, and even if you don't want it to be, you might develop a slight bias for the person because of their grades. That makes me seem like a terrible person. I, I don't judge you no. based off your grades, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a lot of our listeners are on the self-growth journey with us. They're in, like, high school or post-secondary or... They also can probably relate to this feeling of academic validation Mm -hmm. and like seeking themselves and growing into yourself and trying to be true to yourself. So we'd love to hear what you have to say. As always, if you related to anything in this episode or just have any thoughts that you'd like to share, please don't hesitate to send us a DM via Instagram. We are at tobehonestpod. Yeah, and as we just said in the episode, I love it when people come to me with any ideas, whether these be advanced ideas or like unfinished ideas or whatever ideas or not. Just don't be scared to send a message. Take like 30 seconds out of your day and add to the conversation and I love you forever. Um, (laughs) Yes, and as always, I'd like to thank you so much for your support. If you wanted to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a rating or share the podcast with anyone who you think might be interested, it would be much appreciated. And with that... We'll We'll see see you you next next week. week.